Blog Talk Radio. Talk Radio, where we discuss business, politics, and culture. I'm your host, Donya Keating, live in the Seattle area at 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Thursday, October 2nd. Listeners, uh, dial 646-378-0261 to chime in. Press 1 on your keypad when you're ready to speak. And as I mentioned last week, the chat feature can be a little wonky if you don't have a Blog Talk Radio account. So open one up if you prefer, if you're not seeing us on your uh, screen there. And uh, if you want to fire off a comment or two that way versus uh, talking live, you yeah, that's pretty much the way to go. This afternoon, we have up to two hours of talk time uh, about SMB Nation and the cloud computing era. Going to have Charles Keating of Keating Consulting Service and also the president of West Sound Technology Association. He's going to be joined by Harry Brelsford, who's the founder of SMB Nation. And uh, if we finish up in less than two hours, that's okay too. So let's get started and I'll see who's out here. Looks like we at least have Charles out here. Charles, good afternoon. Hello. So uh, let's start with a brief bio about you. Give us some information about you, Keating Consulting Service, something about West Sound Technology, and then we'll just kind of move on into talking about the conference. Well, I started in technology a long, long time ago, (laughs) galaxy far away. Um, So essentially I started out doing a lot of programming and software development work and quickly became an independent consultant. Um, started programming in 79 and became an independent consultant in 83, and it essentially never looked back. So I've been working with Microsoft Stack, you know, a long time, but I've also worked with a lot of other uh, technologies as well over the years, so I have a lot of background. Um, been part of West Sound Technology Association uh, since it was founded. Um, you, of course, were president there for many years, and then I took over as president from you in 2009 and have been president mm-hmm. since. So, and we have our our big big shindig coming up here on October 16th. So, uh, we continue to do, uh, go strong, and you know, WCA is committed to providing education and leadership around technology and innovation in the West Sound region. Yeah, in fact, your uh, summit is on the 16th. It's from 10:30 to 1, and it's going to be at Suquamish Clearwater Casino Resort. And your keynote is the. Um, lead for strategic initiatives for Apple. So that was quite a, a coup on your part. Um, congratulations on getting that type of a speaker to the area. It, are, this, my understanding is she lives in this area, even though she travels the world. Is that correct? That's correct. Um, and in, in the interest of full disclosure, she ended up just leaving Apple. Um, and so she's actually a formal Apple employee, but that doesn't mean that it's the moment she left, all her knowledge went out the window. So, but she's been working with them for four years, um, and she does. She lives in Port Orchard, and you know, pretty much, you know, as as with many major companies, you spend your life on the road, and you don't get an opportunity to really interact with the area as much as you'd like. And in fact, that was part of her reason for wanting to, uh, you know, be kind of more in the area and kind of be connected with the things that are going on here. Because I think the West Sound region has a lot of interesting opportunities. 
in, in partnership with the uh, East Puget Sound, with you know, it's all of its uh, tech powerhouse uh, companies there. Right. Okay. So um, we just went to SMB Nation 2014, uh, the fall conference, and it took place last week, Thursday through Sunday, um, at Microsoft's Redmond campus. It was a great event. Uh, and, and, and from my perspective, it had both the technical aspects and then it had a solid business track. It had some community uh, pieces in there, too. But there were some very essential nuggets of information that you just can't glean from reading articles, uh, participating in webinars. I mean, there's all different uh, levels of information that you can get out there. Or there and there are mountains of data or information out there. And then there's knowledge. And this, you know, in my opinion, was knowledge uh, in addition to the opportunity to network with other people and like-minded people. What are some of your comments about um, what happened with SMB Nation? Um, I've been to a number of different SMB Nation events, and this is probably my favorite one so far. And, and hmm. partially that is, you know, relevance to the subject matter that I'm dealing with. I mean, I've sold a number of small business server uh, installations over the years, and I'm migrating all of those customers into Office 365. I, I find it's a very compelling offering. And, of course, Office 365 is just one part of the, the equation. You know, you're talking about upgrading their desktops. You're still a server at the locations in many cases. Um, it's, it's something that's put in, in conjunction with the tools that they're already using. So, but as far as the event overall, I think that's a good way of putting it. I mean, there's just so much information out there on the Internet. That's not the point. You can find out. You could read articles to your blue in the face. It really helps to have somebody saying, this is why you don't use a P1 SharePoint plan. This is why you want to use an enterprise plan. Here's the key difference and why it's going to matter to you. That right there can save you tons of information exploring something and then finding out it's not going to work for you. And it's those kinds of uh, information uh, that's really helpful and I got out of this event. Yeah, I, I just got a note from our flash from Chris that uh, we might have Harry. We do have Harry. Hello, Harry. Welcome. Hey, Hello. Harry. Sorry. I, 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 I went to the Internet first and then got the phone number to call in, so it's uh, <laughs> kind of reverse old school. But how are you guys doing? <laughs> We're great. great. We're great to have you out here. Everybody's listening, and I want to. We're going to backtrack a little bit because we started talking to Charles about who he was and whatnot, and I really want uh, everyone to listen um, to you. We've, we're getting uh, on the average of about two thousand. I don't know the, the, of listeners per episode, and it just keeps going up. And I think that's great considering that I think this is only our eleventh or twelfth episode. But Harry Brelsford uh, is our other guest here, and I'll let him tell us about him himself. Um, so tell us about you, Harry, and just kind of bring us forward to the reasoning behind this year theme and some of your feedback regarding the conference. Well, sure. And uh, boy, my favorite topic. So thank you for uh, <laughs> giving me the talking <laughs> stick. But um, for those that I haven't met, so my name is Harry Brailsford. And, uh, you know, you know, here's what, what occurred. Is, uh, it's, it's a very simple story. I mean, I live in a rural area, and uh, I just got really excited about small business server uh, a number of years ago. So small business server was sort of the back office components. Um, you combine it with Microsoft Office, and, and it's a beautiful thing for the small business. Um, typically, it was in the 15 uh, desktop range, but it, it could scale to 75. But mm -hmm. perfect fit, got very excited, and we built a community. You know, I started writing some books and speaking and some articles, and, 
it's it's kind of organic. It's it I I, I like to use the comparison. They don't like it out here in Seattle where I live, but I like the comparison about uh, the uh, 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 Macintosh community in the 1980s. You know, Donya and Charles said that just grew organically, and it grew mm-hmm. and grew and grew, and people just got really excited about it. That's what Small Business Server was. So, so fast forward the movie uh, to today, and we built a community called SMB Nation, and, and we still feel a couple of things. We feel we grew organically. We feel um, that we're all geeks. Uh, my staff is technical at SMB Nation. I'm technical. I'm still doing the work of the, we like to say the work of the Jesus or what have you, but we're out there doing it. And, and, and we're feet on the street. And so that has been a fantastic ride. And I'm going to say end to end, it was somewhere between 14 and 15 years. Now, Mm-hmm. To get to the mm-hmm. second part, to, to, to get to the second part of your question, um, the uh, times have changed, right? And and maybe no one has uh, experienced that more than myself. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> and 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 at times I wake up thinking, well, maybe I stayed with the small business server story about a year or two long because Microsoft uh, announced an end of life of small business server over two years ago, and it was about nine months ago that it reached the end of life, and. And, and we stuck with it for a while. Well, who knows? You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and CEOs have to own it, and, and I own it. But um, we started a, uh, a parallel path um, in about 2009 with a product called BPOS, and uh, that was the predecessor to Office 365. And one of my former managers at Microsoft, I'm I'm an occasional vendor to Microsoft, so one of my former managers from the SBS days in the late 90s said, Harry, you better jump on board. This is going to be big. So I started playing with it, and then we started using it. And, y- you know, it, uh, it's it's classic. I mean, there were some down times. There were some up times, et cetera. Well, here's where we're at today is uh, Office 365 has brand awareness. I, a, a phone call, Charles and Dunya, doesn't go by with either a customer, a consumer, or whatever, where they haven't heard of Office 365. They may even say, we mm-hmm. use it here. Um, so we got brand awareness. We, we, we got the front office plus the back office. So, mm-hmm. so we got the full ecosystem. And there was no third-party independent conference in the world. <laughs> yeah, they, I they, know. Yeah. They were, yeah, don't you? They were all Microsoft events, and God bless them. But that's not the same. <laughs> and and that's why not. we had the fall no. conference. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and so tell us, yeah, tell us more about. I mean, the conference from our perspective. Obviously, you mentioned BPOS, and I remember when it was launched. It was thirty dollars a month, and now it's about five dollars a month. You know, it was a great yeah. strategy for SMBs. So, um, you know, I guess Office three sixty five uh, started off as being a confusing name. But, you know, and some people said they didn't understand why they did it beyond the branding. But you know, the client interface is definitely the tool. You know, it's you know Office Outlook and, and not just Exchange and you know, and, and you really jumped in at the right time and said, yeah, I mean, this is certainly a Microsoft product, but, you know, this is something that has to be owned by the business um, users. Yeah. I mean, they have to understand it. They have to actually move this forward and have their own type of dialogue that's not just a sales-oriented dialogue. And I think you did an excellent job of, of pulling that together at the conference this year. So, Well, thank you. I mean, so, so let's talk branding and then maybe strategy. So with respect to branding, 
I, I would offer I was never comfortable with bee paws. That that sounded like some kind of malady that the Bill and Melinda Gates would fund. Their foundation would, you know, they're very generous, and they would fund that through the Center for Disease Control. So I was never exactly. happy. Exactly. I, I was never happy with that branding. Um, Office 365. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, you know, it's it's basically the every day of the year, and and quite frankly, lately my experience has been uptime. Um, basically approaching every day of the year. It's gotten much, much better. And so, um, so, so so that's kind of the branding. You know, we'll we'll roll with that. And we've heard rumors, are they rolling it into, is it going to be called Office or is it Office 365? And I think, um, I, I, I think it's going to retain Office 365 because, quite frankly, that's the back office components. So that's your Exchange and SharePoint and Yammer and, um, the server-side components, link, link and, 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 and then Office is Office, Word, PowerPoint, Excel, you know, et cetera. So I think they're going to be um, married at the hip. Um, but strategically, um, you know, I think we're on a 10-year run. I mean, I think the dialogue you, you, you suggest is we are at the beginning of an era. And so for those of uh, the listeners that you have their resellers and consultants and so on, Charles, you know, you're out there doing it every day. Uh, this this is a 10-year run, and, and I hope I'm wrong. I, I, I hope it's about 14 years, 15 years like SBS. Um, and then for the customer, what a uh, what, what, what a – what a nice investment proposition that you know if you pay your $20 a month for E3, you're locked in. Not that they won't increase prices, but structurally, you're locked in to a platform for the next 10 years. And quite frankly, don't you, you can get back to the business of, of running your business. <laughs> exactly. Right. I, I, and, so I and, and as a consultant, I think that makes perfect sense. You know, and I have had very little pushback from clients jumping into it. But the branding, you, you mentioned a key thing. Calling it office at, at first seems very confusing. And to most people, when they first approach it, they go, well, office? I mean, that's what I put on my, my desktop. But then you also start working with clients to realize that half the time when they're interacting with the technology, they refer to it by whatever is the front of the wrapper that they deal with. They call it Outlook. Yeah. They don't think of exchange. So when they wanted exactly. to call it Office 365, they wanted to give the most obvious handle to what most people experience. They don't experience the back-end server technologies. That's what all the geeks run around and do. They experience yeah. the, the interface at the front end. You know, They experience the car, not the engine, not the parts inside the engine. They experience driving a car. So for them, Office 365 was the best way to call it the car because Office is their Cadillac product for interfacing with all these things. And so yeah. that's where it made sense. So I have yeah, two questions that just came through on the chat, and I'm going to throw them out sure. there, and you guys figure out who's going to answer which one. The first one was, is, is Office 365 here to last? Because uh, Microsoft has a tendency to um, change their software and its name or discontinue it or so forth. So that's the first question. And then the second one was a very basic one. I guess we all sit, tend to get in the room and just assume that everybody's the same. But somebody said, what? And I'm not going to say the word that they use, but they said, what the heck is Office 365 to someone who has absolutely no technical background? Why should they care as a business owner? So who's yeah. going to take which one? 
Yeah, I'll, well, I'll take the first one with some sort of internal uh, Microsoft nuggets, and then Charles, I, I, the second one's completely valid. Maybe, Charles, if you'd like to yeah. literally define Office 365, go to the website. I know you have it in your memory, but, but it literally speeds and feeds on the second one. So the first one, let's, let's, let's talk politics. Um, and, you know, Donya, I mean, I'm – I'm blessed and cursed uh, to, to be in the Seattle region. You know, I like to joke I'm inside the Beltway, but I've I've worked hard to uh, earn a seat at the table with Microsoft, as a, and, and I want to emphasize independent friend of the family. Um, and I've I've built that trust, and I, I don't abuse that trust. I, I I take it very seriously every day. And so here here's what I can offer from almost a an outsider looking in is that the um, investment cycle in Office 365 is is one of the largest. I've seen because Microsoft has to pivot their business model. The mm-hmm. server side, um, God bless us, you know, paid for my kids' high school and home. And I mean, you know, we were all there. It's a great run with the server side. But it is literally uh, the paradigm is shifting, and, and, and I would offer driven in large part by Google and Apple and Microsoft's responding to that. Um, and so it is here to stay. If you guys knew the investment that they're making, so I watched them move over the summer. The 365 team moved from, uh, uh, I'm going to say, is building 18, where they uh, were called the office team. And the BPOS team was a very small, almost skunk works project. But they moved over the summer to two buildings, right? So they basically have doubled out at Microsoft on the Redmond campus. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a huge investment. And they they have to go with this. There's not really, excuse me, an alternative for Microsoft. And, uh, and, 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 and so you can look to uh, an extensive capital investment uh, wave from Microsoft in this brand. Now, Here's maybe the downside, because the economics of technology are changing, so it's not quite the same uh, remuneration financially to Microsoft. And don't feel sorry for them. They've got $98 billion in cash exactly. in the bank. You know, look at their recent, uh, what is it called, a K-1, their, re- their 10-K filing. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they're a, they're a, a well perhaps one of the wealthiest uh, corporations in the world, so they can do this. But... Um, Donia and Charles, I'd like to connect the dots. That that's kind of where you're seeing the layoff wave come from Microsoft, right? That if they have uh, over 100,000 employees and the economics change and, quite frankly, the technology changes and you just don't need all these people running around to have meetings to have meetings, I think you're going to see a leaner Microsoft in the future because the technology is, is light, lighter. It's got a lighter footprint. They're going to do maturity matching. And so that's a long-winded way of saying it's here to stay, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it made total sense. And then I'll, I'll jump over to Charles to talk about the what is it type of conversation. But I've had some conversations with some Microsoft principals as well about reinventing themselves and how they view themselves uh, in light of the Samsungs and Apples and Googles and, you know, startup. Even though these companies are very large, they still have startup mentalities and they operate like startups. They're still very agile. And being yep. able to compete with that after they've got, spent so many years basically becoming our 21st century version of IBM, and they recognize that that's what they had become. Oh, so they now do. This is their way of, they they, oh, they yeah, got exactly. the memo. <laughs> yeah, they got it. And, you know, and surprisingly, IBM is still in the game and it's still reinventing itself. But, you know, there's some value to being that, that player as well. But 
that's not the role that Microsoft wants to play. So, Charles, are you out there? You want to address the what I, Office 365 thing? Well, well, first off, I want to just just to reinforce: there is no way that this product's going away. This is the evolution of their product. This is that's where mm-hmm. their product is going, that's and. Right. There's going to be many, many, many fewer. I'm sure it will still exist, but when somebody sets up a server, they'll probably think first to put it in Azure before they'll even put a box on the client site. Absolutely. For for various reasons. I mean, they'll they'll get to the point where, you know, it may be the exception and not the norm to have the server in-house. Maybe for a while, while we're still dealing with slower Internet connections, you still have to have that server locally for file sharing and things like that. But I think... In a few years' time, Microsoft is looking ahead. They realize that the broadband networks are growing and growing and growing. And once all of a sudden you get to a you know a 10, 100, a gigabit connection uh, for for end users, this whole equation is going to stand on its head, and people will say, "Well, why do I have to have a piece of something mayor, you know in-house that I have to hire somebody to maintain, who's expensive when I can put it out in the cloud and let the with the, let the product team maintain it." You know, and that, to me, that's you know, that's huge. That's a huge uh, way of, of change, uh, uh, changing and thinking. Now, to what Office 365 is? <clears throat> essentially, it's the evolution of Microsoft's offerings. It is essentially what you think of your subscription basis of um, access to Office applications plus the back-end hosting. And in some cases, all you want is the back-end hosting. It's Exchange and SharePoint, uh, ex- Exchange being your email solution. You know, SharePoint being file and document collaboration, Link being uh, uh, ho- voice communications. Uh, there's a tool called Yammer, which is social networking. Some of these pieces I haven't really even played with very much or have used in a very limited capacity. But actually from the conference I realized just how, you know, what value proposition each one of these brings to the equation. So um, Office 365 really is kind of like the way I think most people will be using Office products uh, going forward in the next few few years. Um, obviously, there will be plays where people still traditionally get a disk and install the software, but I think that is really literally going away pretty fast. You know, I, I, don't, I won't see us delivering software as disks and software keys uh, for much longer. It's going to be subscriptions and uh, connecting to the Internet is going to be the uh, primary way of delivering software. Anything else to add to that, Harry, or...? Yeah, yeah. So, 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 no, and and, and good uh, overview. So, what I would add for people who are new to Office 365, there's different SKUs. Um, ironically, they just announced yesterday. Um, if 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 you want to see the speeds and feeds on it, go to o365nation.com. It's my lead blog, and basically they have. Uh, and I'm not talking to the consumer. Okay, that's kind of a different animal over at Best Buy and and some of the retail stores, but. Um, for the uh, for, for for the IT pro, um, you're essentially talking about uh, the front office. Let's start with what we all know. So, in varying SKUs, you get Outlook, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Access, um, and then the traditional Microsoft 2003 Pro uh, SKU. And, and Pro Plus can include uh, ah, Charles. What's the What's the form program? Um, I always forget the the, the add-on, but it does the uh, the forms. Um, Infopath. Infopath. They'll hook to a SQL database and so on. So that's the front office, and that's what we use every day. I do. I, I 
guys, I use Word and Power. Uh, well, Word, PowerPoint, <laughs> Excel, and Outlook, and maybe in reverse order. Outlook is probably my main tool all day. I know, right? Um, it, it, it is by far the number one application for almost every enterprise is email. So when you think about it, Outlook is really the, the Cadillac of the, of the whole product line. And, of course, yeah. everybody works with Word documents and everybody works with spreadsheets, and almost everybody I know of is familiar with Word and Excel. So between those three products, I mean, I think they were talking about the number of actual Office users as being about 1 billion users worldwide. I mean, yeah. obviously with different versions and platforms and everything else, but, you know, that's 20% of the world as your marketplace. <laughs> Yeah, and then on Who the was back that end, maybe? Or go ahead. No, go ahead. No, you finish, and then I'll, I'll ask this well, question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so very quickly, on the back end, you have direct access to uh, SharePoint, Microsoft Exchange, as Charles indicated, Yammer, and, and, and Link, and some of the other tools. And then running in the background background, which I still haven't found direct access to, and I'm, trust me, I'm poking around, is, is SQL Server. Okay, so SQL okay, has a role right. in the, the background background, which I would love direct access to because that's a database. But So, you know, front office marries back office, and, and that's uh, Office 365. But go ahead, Donya. Well, I was going to, when I was, there's a couple of things. When I first heard Charles talking about SharePoint and Link and Yammer and OneDrive and whatever, and I, it reminded me of what Tom, I think it was Tom Moen when he stood up in the back and he said, you know, you don't call it Cat and Cat Pro. I mean, that was really kind of funny. Oh, you guys yeah. remember that comment? <laughs> That's that whole OneDrive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OneDrive. There's Cat and Dog, but you don't call a dog Cat Pro. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. That was really he was, good, he by was, the way. He was awesome. But um, I think, what was I going to say? I forget, I almost forgot what I was going to say. Um, there was some comment that somebody made. There were two parts of it. One uh, chatter said that some of the um, slow take rate with cloud computing uh, has to do with a lot of the IT pros that were SBS um, uh, salespeople and, and uh, IT people that did not want to, in their minds, lose a piece of their business. And so they actually resisted the cloud, and so that had some type of, of impact course. on slowing slowing down. And of, and of course, I mean, it's also an understand. It's a process of understanding not only for the the end user, but for the people that are going to be selling it and actually making sure that it's implemented. So of course, but that was a comment that came through. And I don't even remember the other one that I was going to say. I'll get back to it. But yeah, um, you know, the one plus, I was going to plus ask, I would add. I would I would add one thing there. These are the people who have to make sure this stuff works and works well and they're not going to get yelled at by their customer. And so when somebody just said, the cloud, the cloud, the cloud, they're not taking into account that somebody sitting in there in downtown Seattle with a fast connection is going to have a much better experience than somebody sitting in Port Angeles with a, with a one megabit Internet connection, maybe. And, and that's the whole point that so many of these consultants said. Not everybody is the same kind of customer. Not everybody has access to the same kind of resources. So I think they unfairly got dinged a lot by being, you know, you know, portrayed as people that were resisting change. When a lot of times they're just trying to make sure that the tool's ready for them and they have access to the make to proper resources to make sure it works. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. let's talk about some of the uh, let's talk about some of the partners and some of the um, vendors that you had there. Um, Harry. Oh, I know what I was going to say before, and I just remembered. Somebody at sure. the uh, conference said that email was going to go away. Who was that? Was that was that Robert Crane, or was that somebody else that said that they thought email was just becoming irrelevant? 
and that people just weren't. Oh, he said email was because... evil. Oh, yeah, okay. well, <laughs> it it could have been. He's a little caustic from Australia, so it could have been Robert. I don't know. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, it was it Robert. Could have been a handful of people, but uh... yeah, it was Robert. Yeah. So no, I thought he, that was interesting. You guys, he, said... he yeah. just believes email needs to go away, and he's and he's right. I I started taking some of his pieces. And it's not that email needs to go away. He says you're still going to use it. But the reality is we use it inappropriately. And I think that's a great message. That's a great message. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, I, um, I, boy, I have so many emotions surrounding email. You know, when, when, when I was born, Charles and Dunya, um, I didn't enter this world to sit in front of my computer and deal with anywhere from uh, 100 to 300 emails a day, and we all do. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not bragging, but we all get email, and it, it's like, really, that's where I ended up in life. Is I'm just like a robot, <laughs> and I answer emails all day, and I sit. I mean, that 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 is that is so sad. That is so sad. <laughs> It becomes almost like a lifeline, you know, and I get I get a yeah. lot of email. I mean, I can yeah, get thousands. Yeah, and it's like I just, I just, I, 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 I don't want to leave my life this way, and and yada yada yada. I just, I, 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 I just want to work at a ski resort. If you want to know the truth, but um, <laughs> you need some therapy. The good news is, well, 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 the good news is I can do email at the ski resort, but it's, uh, it's, there it's overwhelming. Go. But Charles, I, I just don't see an alternative, and I still like the phone, much like we're doing today. I like the asynchronous um, communication of the, uh, the, the, the phone versus more of a. Uh, 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 synchronous mode for email. You know, don't you? I, I email you. You you read it. You say this, but we don't have that interaction. Um, exactly. So I, I I don't know. Unfortunately, I think it's here to stay. Good or bad, but I think it's here to stay. <laughs> I, I definitely think email is going to be around for a long, long time. I don't predict its death anytime soon. When I want to deliver a message to one person, I want them to be able to get it when they need to get it. Email is great for that. When I want yeah. to really have an interactive conversation with somebody, I pick up the phone. When I want to have a conversation with a bunch of people, but I don't want to just clog everyone's inboxes at the same time, that's when a social network or a blog post or something like Yammer starts to shine, you know, where I want to be able to you know, potentially access the knowledge of a lot of people without writing 100 emails and having everybody get it all at the same time. So I think there's something to that. And we're still trying to figure out how best to use it. I, I see the same equation playing out with how people use Facebook or how people yeah. use Twitter. Those things are new tools for getting messages out there, but you know, people either go from, oh, God, I love it, to, oh, God, I hate it, and it's drowning me. And yeah. there's got to be a happy medium as to how to use these tools, and I think that's what we're still figuring out. And email is the same way. We, we, we've accepted the fact that we're going to be drowned with email, and we need to at some point in time say enough's enough, when do you send me an email versus not? And I start using this example with clients. Hey, you want a bunch of people to review a document? Do you email it to them or do you put it in something where it's shared with a link and then they can hit it and then we have control over who's looking at it and versions and things aren't being dropped or you don't have to synchronize three versions after the fact? Charles, Natural I... Yeah, and if you don't mind me adding, this is an interesting take. Speaking of which, I just looked at Facebook on screen number one. Sherry Coleman from uh, Reno, Nevada, also known as Lake Tahoe, California, 
Um, she's hmm. an MSP, and she just posted, email is the leading cause of data breaches in the healthcare industry. And it's actually a uh, unique blog uh, that she wrote at her uh, site, um, which is really cool that she's putting herself out there. But, Charles, we haven't even touched on, and I, I, I don't know that we need to, you know, probably not the right show, but we haven't even touched on e- email as a vehicle for data breaches and security and so on. I mean, the, that's, that's almost a whole other show. <laughs> but, you well, know, think, but, it, but it's, it's a very valid uh, topic, at least for the cloud, because that's one of the first things that you can hear from someone that doesn't even understand how the cloud works is the first thing they ask is, is it safe? You know, is it going to be breached? You know, who's going to have access to my information? So can you guys talk to some of the tools that we have out there? Um, I mean, I know that obviously you're talking about virtualization and economies, uh, you know, economics and efficiencies of virtualization and whatnot, and that's why, you know, people are going to the cloud. But what are some of the other things on the back end that you guys are um, referring your clients to to make sure that their information is secure? Well, Charles, I'll let, maybe I'll let you feel that one, and then Donia, after that, I might rewind and, and talk about the demographic on the vendors and the uh, the partners at the show. Perfect. But Ch- Perfect. Charles, yes. you grab, you, you, yeah, you grab the real world, and then I'll talk high level. <laughs> okay. The, essentially, here's the biggest issue. Okay, when you give somebody access to a pot of information, if you let them download the entire pot of information and then manipulate it at will, you're you're increasing your exposure to security risk hundreds of fold versus giving access to information but through a keyhole. I'll give you the analogy. The difference is the difference between a file share and using something like SharePoint to store files. If you give access to a file share with one million files, somebody can download those one million files and spread them all over the Internet like they did with the recent JDA breach. Um, mm-hmm. Breaches, plural, so many of them. I can't even think of you know which one would be the last one to you know take Wikipedia could take a lot of different things um, that were out there, but when you take when you look at uh, SharePoint or something where you have access to the information but you're only letting them manipulate files individually one at a time, it's very difficult for somebody to then copy every little piece of information without creating an audit trail of exactly what they're doing, and I think that's the key for security. It's not. Email is not, you know, email is the end result of having access to information and being able to forward it out. Ultimately, what you're basically saying is you want to control when they're accessing information, whose information, and what are they doing with it, and controlling that flow of information so that they're not just broadcasting everything that they have access to immediately. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, good, 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 good best practices, good behavior. Yep. All right, lob it over to you, Harry. Okay, so in in terms of the uh, the vendor and the sponsor community, and um, guys, forgive me if I you know get a little wackadoo on you because I uh, <laughs> man, I, I feel like this is my weekend. You know, we so so let's start with that. SMB Nation was indeed a weekend conference, right? So yes. staff and staff and my son. This 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 is my Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> as we kind of come off uh, come off shift, and it's a lot of work to put on a conference, but it's worth it. So let's start with the vendor side. On on the vendor side, what you saw was an entirely new class of vendors, and, and there's a couple reasons for that. Um, a lot of people, maybe yourselves included, uh, recently watched the I'm going to say seven part Roosevelt series on PBS, highly acclaimed. You know, just one mm-hmm. of those Ken mm-hmm. Burns, uh, uh, amazing. Um, 
and 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 so that was essentially about the 1930s end to end that focused on a lot of the 1930s and so on and guys we've come through a rough one and and combine that with the uh, change in technology and so on so you have an entire class of vendor sponsors out there that are really uh struggling i i was you know on a call with a vendor uh today where they're really struggling to redefine themselves to remain relevant in an Office 365 world. And I offered words of encouragement like, you you know, the APIs are coming out after the first of the year to hook Office 365 for more platform development and so on. Um, but I think the sponsor community is really struggling. I, I mean, think about it. The OEMs uh, are, are trying to sell servers when you don't need a server. That's the simple example. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, I, I mean, really? And and then you have RMMs <laughs> and BDRs trying to monitor and back up stuff that's not even there. And exactly. and, and And so there's they're, – they're, they're, they're struggling. And so – you know, I would offer we had very few of the old school vendors. Um, now, I do want to give a shout out to eFolder, which is a BDR service, and they are really trying. Nancy Williams at, at eFolder, and they are really uh, investing in in the new news. So, shout out to them for making that transition. But you know, Charles and Donia, you saw a whole new class of vendors. I mean, you saw people layering apps on top of three six five like attached apps. You saw Exactly. Uh, migration tools like Skykick. Um, mm-hmm. You saw InfoArmor over in the corner. InfoArmor saying, right. well, "Hey, for a couple bucks a month, we can add on uh, a different realm of security and identity protection on 365." And so that's mm-hmm. where I think it's it, it, it's heading in the vendor community. Is you're going to see a very different uh, group of vendors, and then in the partner community. Um, so, so, so a couple of things that, for right or wrong, okay. Two-thirds of the conference was brand-new attendees, which is really cool. You know, good for me, good, yes. yeah, good for me, good for you, good for the vendors. We all make new friends. It was really energetic and fresh. So one-third was kind of the old-school uh, SMB, small business server guys who are open and receptive to uh, transitioning. And then Donia and Charles, and please, you know, please speak up. But what I didn't see because it didn't make sense, is if you are LAN A inside four walls, if if you're committed to um, the server-side LAN A and you, quote-unquote, hate cloud or they're shoving cloud down my throat, um, you were not at this conference. And, and again, correct right. me, but I didn't see the caustic negativity um, that the world changed, guys. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, well, we had a couple in our audience that just, you know, wanted to just sit in the back, and I thought they were paid foils after a certain point because it was just so comical. But, I, you know, I there was once there was a session where you were kind of doing your wrap up and you were going through the room and asking everyone what their takeaway was and what they learned. And I passed the mic because, you know, I'm from the policy arena. When everything's been said, you pass the mic. You don't have to get on on the air just to say ditto. But you right. know, from my perspective, what I'm coming away with is is like you said, it's a more higher level um, of, of, of engagement that I have regarding technology in general. It just becomes a tool in the toolbox 
for a variety of clients, including something as large as NGOs that are looking to not only improve their operations, but they're actually looking to recommend them to other nations and developing nations that are trying to become relevant and to compete. So when I'm looking at this, it's, it's definitely from the technical standpoint, but it's also from the strategic. And so when I look at your audience and the way that SMB Nation has changed since I've been going to the events, I notice that your demographic has always been different in that you've always had older people there because they come from the old school and the server and everything else. But I also noticed that this time you had a lot more young blood, new blood, people that were curious about the cloud, people that were implementing it and looking for other ways to become more um, strategic with with how they were bundling it to clients. And then there was that hybrid IT group that had the clients that were still in the server and still wanted to have their own stuff or have their own box or whatever, but they were still looking for ways to migrate some things out to the cloud. And I thought that that's a really nice way to march up through the middle to get somebody on board. So that was that was my experience there. Yeah. Hey, Donia, um, yeah, can I ahead. add, it was like we we last year was serverholics, right? We had anger right. and denial. <laughs> Well, I think we've moved through that to acceptance that cloud is here to stay. That's not to say we won't still have servers, because by, by any stretch of the imagination, we're not all on gigabit pipes, right? So, you know, when you open up big files, you want them to, want it to occur quickly. And, you know, when you introduce slow, slowness into every step of a procedure, when you're interacting with a server that's far away and you have a slow connection, that's going to make a big difference. So servers aren't gone yet. But... Uh, I love what the way Zenstra put it. We treat our servers like cattle, not pets. We want a standardized appliance way of thinking about it. We don't want to treat each one like this exquisite thing that's built and needs to be preserved and maintained. If it breaks, I replace it with a new widget. And um, this whole Office 365 cloud services type migration to me, makes a lot more sense than what was being sold a few years ago where you're crafting on a solution to support the expensive, very customized server installs uh, and trying to figure out a way to preserve them, protect them, and run extra images floating around somewhere. But wait a second. Why do that when it's very complicated and very expensive? If I could choose a standardized application and carve up my workload so that you know standardized application work on standardized servers, and maybe that one little unique bit works in my in my present server on my on on premises server. That maybe makes a heck of a lot more sense for a lot of people. And eventually, you know, I can see those things going away over time. Not not tomorrow. Not not in the night in the next two years. But maybe in the next five to ten years, it's going to be very different looking. And I think Microsoft's just looking ahead. So Harry, why don't, we, yeah. why don't you take us through? Um, let's start with let's just grab one and start talking about you know what they offer so that people that are listening understand why they should even care. So let's just say Skykick. You know, let's talk a little bit about Skykick and what they do and and, and why this is relevant in the O365 conversation. Yeah. So so you know it it it, it it's it's uh we'll talk about Skykick, but it's almost a bigger conversation about. Mm-hmm. Um, changing business models. And so what Skykick is essentially doing is is they're disruptive, okay? And and I love disruption as you both know, you know, with my attention deficit disorder, I play CNBC all day on the large TV in the background of my office cuz I I can't freaking work if it's client uh, quiet. <laughs> 
That was and, a Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh and 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 and, and so um Disruptions are how you make money in markets, right? Financial, technology, and so on. And that's what they like to cover. They don't cover pedestrian stuff. And so Skykick is, a, at the end of the day, a disruptive technology that has essentially automated um, the migration process. So mm-hmm. when you go to 365, uh, you typically have exchange email on-prem, and this has really been highlighted by a, a wave of end-of-support deadlines for XP, um, Exchange 2003, and coming up Server 2003. And so people have to uh, migrate and, and be in compliance and, you know, quite frankly, get the new features and benefits. And so Skykick has uh, what amounts to almost a, a push-button tool to um, migrate the mailboxes, and then they price it. So that's, that's sort of the customer side and the functionality side, and I'd offer quality assurance side. On the partner mm-hmm. side, so, so the computer guy or gal, um, you can essentially arbitrage uh, labor. And, and so the idea is that you bid your projects on a flat fee. So you say, you know, Mr. Customer, this is a $10,000 migration end-to-end, and the customer says, great, I'm locked in. I'm not going to be surprised. And then you use tools to perform the migration that lower your cost dramatically so you don't have uh, monkeys running around performing manual processes out on the floor. You use Skykick. And, exactly. and that's how you make money because, you know, Donia, that, that, that was kind of a big question overall is, is how do I make money with cloud? And, and I offered exactly. my keynote. It's, it's going to be different. There's about seven or eight ways you can make money, including selling red barbecue mitts on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> but they're good barbecue mitts. And they're, they're, well, yeah. they're great. You, you, you can pick up the baby backs right off the grill. I love them. <laughs> That's hysterical. For the people that are listening, I'm, I'm sorry we've got our whole code going here, but I, I don't remember his name, but Harry will fill you in. Uh, but Ken, it's yeah, one of Ken those conversations. Yeah, Ken Edwards. Ken Edwards. It, it, it's a conversation, and most of us that are involved in this community, we have you know two, three different businesses going. It, some of them are tech, some of them are not, and it's just because we just have that that gene, we just can't sit still. And so one of them, um, he came out with these crazy gloves, and, and they are like silicon based or whatever, and they can resist heat and firefighter you know, Harry was. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Harry had him on on his blog, and he's like lifting baby backs off the grill, and it's just insane. But you know, it's it's he's going gangbusters with his you know product, and oh, he's yeah. on Amazon, yeah. so it's it's just one of those funny things about you know the the community where we just have our hands in so many <laughs> different fires. No pun intended. Yeah. Um, so the big thing here, I mean, obviously Skykick, attached apps, App River, um, Zinstra. Yep. Before I get to Zinstra, Ben Secret Sauce. Because you talked about changing your business model, and yeah. Ben, get, go ahead and talk about Ben and his his keynote and what he was what he did with well, his business to make it. Yeah, I mean, here here's the good news is that I'm on a uh, podcast and I I appreciate the opportunity, so you can't throw tomatoes at me, right? Not YouTube, the audience <laughs> can't throw tomatoes over the uh, over the wire. <laughs> they, they 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 could have live and they didn't. Thank you, but. Um, Ben is disruptive, and and I love it. And it's not a popular conversation, but he is the number two reseller in the world 
of office, right. 65, and he's right. the number one in the United Kingdom. And guys, the United Kingdom, I mean, we're talking some real numbers. I mean, they're, I, I, I think they're still essentially on par population-wise with Germany. I think Germany might be a little bit bigger, but United Kingdom's a huge market. Don't kid yourself. Oh, sure. And, uh, and the currency's strong, yada, yada, yada. So here, here, here's what he did, is he said, at, at the end of the day, he took an hour to give an amazing speech, but at the end of the day, here's what I took away, is that he's saying the economics have changed for Office 365. You know, deal with it. And so the idea that you're going to have a traditional MSP practice with a staff of uh, upper five-figure, low six-figure MCSEs, um, server-side guys, and you know we've all been there, and it's 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 a comfortable life. It's nice. You got the certs. You got the, you, you know, you got to play with the server side, and, and it, it was value add. I mean, you had to, and right. that's kind of gone away. That's kind of gone away. And he's cut his labor cost. I would offer this might be a stretch, but I'm going to offer he's cut his labor cost by two thirds. And he's saying, yeah, look, I would imagine that at least yeah that right. models are relevant. And the compensation from three six five straight up is is much less. And so, what you have to do is what we would almost call a maturity matching uh, scheme in your portfolio. You have to say, well, if the yield's lower, right? We have to make the adjustments over on the other side of the balance sheet. And 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 so he's using uh, college kids. He's using graduate students. Um, he's using uh, lower cost labor. So if you're paying someone a hundred thou, maybe he's paying someone thirty-five to forty thou U.S. Uh, but do the conversion for you know right, the U.K. Right. And he's making money. And so it's a volume play. And then um, and, and 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 so that's the secret sauce. And it's a little bit disturbing to the audience. This is the tomato part. It's disturbing, and conferences should be disturbing. And then I had one individual, I can't remember his name, but someone I respect in the audience came up and told me that, you know, I'm going to go back and fire everybody. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm going I'm, I'm to fire everybody and start over because he 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 saw the need, uh, Donia, to retool. If, if you're going right. to match the economics of 365, you've got to retool. It was brutal, and, and I'll, I'll stop at that. <laughs> you know, and, you know and somebody came. Somebody came up to me at, after that and said, "Oh, great! This is a boiler room." So, yeah, anyway, go ahead, Charles. I was going to say, you know, over the last few years, there was this whole rush towards MSPs, and what I saw is, and, and there's nothing wrong with you know managing service costs and being proactive, but part of the whole sales thing was lock in your customers with a fixed cost IT solution so they treat it like insurance and maintaining networks. And part of that whole mentality, to me, smacked of statism. You know, hey, we're going we're gonna to keep what we have forever. And it's like, no, this is not the green screen, green screen uh, CRT tubes hooked to mainframes world. This is technology. It's quickly evolving. And it's going to go appliance-like. You can see that with iPads. How many iPads do you do programming on and, and do you know, repairs and stuff? You, you don't. You don't maintain iPads. You, you scratch them, you load an app, you remove an app. The, the client doesn't come to you unless the whole thing's broken in case it goes off the hardware repair. But the point is, that's where I see a lot of this stuff going. 
and it goes back to this whole, there used to be a long time ago in the IT world where there was lots of programmers and fewer number of people actually dealt with the hardware and the networking. And then back in the 90s and the 2000s, it seemed like the programming jobs felt like they got shipped overseas and people who were technicians were really technicians that did software configuration and maintenance and networking. And that's what a lot of these people were employed doing and that's where those comfortable incomes were, you know, basically maintaining infrastructure. Now it's yeah. going back to appliance-like thinking, and that's where the costs are getting pulled out of the equation because, hey, I don't build and maintain the exchange server. It's hooked up in the cloud. Now, I still have to, you know, somebody needs knowledge into how to configure folders, how to share things, how to set up the clients, how to work with their business processing. There's the consultant role that still is very relevant because people need to understand how to drive the, drive the tools. Well, and but Charles, they we're need dealing with humans. Plumbing. We're dealing with humans, yeah. so absolutely. Yeah, so right. there's going to be fewer plumbers running around is what it comes down to. Right. You know, and it's, that's, that's it, and that's where those, those costs are, are going away. So let's talk about yeah, Zenstra. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Zenstra, thank you. Um, well, I'll tell you what, one, one final comment on uh, what Charles is, uh, is, is, is surfacing is, you know, we, we – we elected to be in the mafia. We elected to be in technology. <laughs> it's the lifestyle we chose. And there's consequences. We will die by the sword. <laughs> <laughs> there's consequences to, to the decisions we made. And, Charles, I, I fondly remember when I was um, – I, 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 I was a little wackadoo in the early 90s, and I took visual basic programming classes and C programming and so on, and there were a lot of vocational technical institutions in Seattle and jobs for software testers. And that's right. really dried up, right? That's been automated, so to, to your point. Um, but but Donyan Zinstra, um, I, I have to, you know, we don't have awards. I just was on a call today that, darn it, we need awards at our show. But I almost have to give them best of show. You know what I mean? They, oh, absolutely. Yes. You, you know, I mean, go, go, go ahead and finish the sentence. <laughs> I know. I just, I just think that you know, I was, I was wildly impressed with Zenstra. Not only what they're offering, but their, but the way they presented themselves, their knowledge, their, their, um, just their, their sense of, there's a whole, a whole package, like you said, about them, where they just knew what they were offering. They knew that they had a niche. They were going after it, and they were just going gangbusters. And I really just had a lot of respect for, for the message and for the presentation. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and maybe I'll take a second to define Zinstra. And Charles, I'd love to hear you've recently met Zinstra. So I'd love to hear what you think they are. But here, here, here's here's their intentions: is that the I, I, part of my keynote speech? I think it was the eight business models of of Office three six five, and I think they were number four. And it was the truth is in the middle. The truth at the end of the day is hybrid. So to get Washington, D.C. political on you, you know, the pendulum likes to swing way to the left and then it goes way to the right. And exactly. decisions decisions in general elections are one in the middle. And that's what Zinstra is. is. They're in the middle. Right. And okay. they're hybrid. I mean, really? Come on. It's not all cloud and it's not all on-prem. It's, it's ultimately a combination of the two. And they have distilled uh, that conversation and crystallized it like no one else I've ever seen, where they're saying there's, there's varying degrees. Remember that one slide is like you know, slide number seven, which I want to get. 
I want to I want to steal it from him. The thermometer slide where you could move the little thing over uh, along a continuum. So on the left was all on prem, and on the right was all cloud. And they kind of had you could move that little button, and and it would it, essentially um, what it would do is articulate what level of cloud services you want and what level of on-prem services you want. It depends on whether you're in a regulatory environment or this or that. But they 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 nailed it. And, and folks, what it is is it's a HP-based uh, server that provides on-prem when things that should stay home stay home. <laughs> and, right. and then they provide hooks to 365 when things that roam should roam. <laughs> <laughs> Where the wild things are, yes. Yeah. So I don't know, Charles. What 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 was your take? Because you're a little bit newer to them. I've worked with them for quite a while. Yeah, and that's um, interesting. I've I've been exploring. I mean, a few years ago, I was exploring. It's you know, virtualization has been all the rage in data centers forever, which made perfect sense because you got banks of hundreds of servers. But I really did a very detailed exploration of how do you get to where it makes sense to virtualize one server sitting in the closet at the client, right? And, I mean, I remember going and specifying servers with the vendors, and they wanted to charge me thousands of dollars of extra just to build the server as a virtual server because that's more complicated. You know, that's hard to maintain. That's, you know, we, gotta, we require ex- extra level of pro support if you want to make it a virtual server. And it was like, you're telling me that the virtual server is much more complicated and hard to deal with than a physical server. Something's wrong with that equation. That just tells me the channel wasn't ready for it yet. Zenstra got ahead of that, I think, at some point in time and said, you know what, we don't care. We won't even buy your plan. We're just going to build them this way. And we'll figure out how to standardize it. You know, come hell or high water, we'll, we'll create a virtualized appliance. And really, ultimately, what you want your servers to be is you want them to be cookie cutter. You want them to all be built as cookie-cutter appliances. Um, Now, where I don't have the comfort level yet with Zenstra is trying to figure out their pricing model and what makes sense for my customers. My customers still like to own their things. They don't like to just pay per month, although funny, they don't mind paying per month for Office 365 because they realize they have to have a subscription, and that stuff is hosted in the cloud. But when it comes to something that still stores, you know, their application data and sits in the closet, they they still want to own that little piece. So, I mean, there's probably an education process and trying to figure out where the payback period is on those things. Um, And then how do you factor how much less it will cost to maintain that device? How much more reliable will it be? Those are equations that are kind of hard to figure out sometimes. So it becomes a much more difficult sales proposition for me to say, I I would recommend that just because it's going to be more reliable. Because generally, most of the stuff I put out of the clients has been reliable. They haven't expected it to break. So that being said, I do see that as kind of the wave of where things are going. You know, server appliances, it's just maybe, you know, the the 1.0 or 2.0 model of something. And uh, it's very interesting to me, and I want to explore that model. Um, And I'll be interested to see other people selling these solutions as well. Um, So that's kind of where I'm at with it. I, I really think they're on the right track. I just think, in mm-hmm. a way, I haven't gotten there yet, and I know that I got to get up to speed. Yeah, and I, I, I guess I would end because I, I know we're probably coming up on time, and again, appreciate the uh, the opportunity. But I would end um, that 
a, a couple of thoughts about the conference and what we just accomplished was, for, for me, um, I was re-energized. I, I, I've been a little emotionally depressed the last couple of years with the, uh, the decline in the traditional audience or community surrounding a small business server and so on. And, and here I saw a very different community um, with new friends brewing, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm energized. I mean, that's, that's really cool. And then, uh, you know, I guess my journey continues. I mean, we're, we're defining the paradigm that um, I still have uh, strong feelings. I, I still dream small business server. <laughs> 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 but um, I, I, I wake up to, you know, a very mobile, mobile agile world with 365 where – darn it, I can go biking or skiing or move to Alaska or do whatever and still run my company because it's, uh, you know, it's it's essentially an off-prem um, solution that's accessible and yada, yada, yada. So that's that's kind of where I land, but I'm excited. And, and, and we have a, uh, you know, to be announced shortly, but we have a whole portfolio of events coming up next year that surround 365, and there was overwhelming support for Azure um, in terms mm-hmm. of an Azure conference. And then I think Windows 10 can be part of that conversation at any time because you, you still need the desktop, guys. <laughs> there you do. Absolutely. 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 So any other um, any any other closing comments from either of you guys? Do you have any other thoughts you want to share about uh, O365, O365 Nation, SMB Nation, anything? I think my deck is clear. Charles, what sir, you take <laughs> well, the final I, word. Well, I think you know, Harry, you're definitely on uh, the right track. I think that there should still be another O365 Nation next year uh with Azure, you know, you know, we're that the boat is sea, is floating in this in the blue sea because you know Office 365 is kind of built on Azure technologies. It's being maintained and managed by Microsoft, but there are times when you're going to want to roll your own server. I think those will be a different crowd of people for sure, because the people who build solutions are different than the people who use the solutions and recommend mm-hmm. and help clients with solutions. I think there's two audiences there uh, for sure, but they work with each other. And I can see a lot of benefits. I see a lot of people maybe looking to do more development work. I think a lot of those technicians that have been used to maintaining networks, you know, should bone up on some of their programming skills and development skills because I think there's going to be a lot of things that, you know, we're we're throwing out a lot of those old applications that were built on desktops or replacing them, their legacy, and now we got applications that we're building on web-based technologies and cloud-based technologies. And I think I just see the sea change continuing over the next five, ten years and then after that, we're all going to be on the golf course or uh, skiing or <laughs> doing something else because uh, the world will have shifted again. I just hope they stay uh, remain patient. I know that they have a, a, a larger um, a group that they're looking to, to get on board with them, and they're looking at a lot of the telcos and so forth in terms of partnerships. It's going to take some time for them to shift the boat, so as long as they're patient with that. And then, of course, refining their strategy for their partners um, so that there's a win-win there. But I think other than that, I think everything is just, we're good to go here. So I just really um, appreciate that you guys came on today. And uh, I want to thank Harry and Charles and all who tuned in and participated. Thank you guys for uh, dropping in. You can find this broadcast as a podcast at the site you're using right now. Or you can go to Facebook at backslash S-T-R-A Talk Radio. That's Sam Tommy Roger 8 Talk Radio. Be sure to like us there. Follow us here. 
This is your host, Donya Keating, signing off at about 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific Time on Thursday, October 2nd. And we will see you next time.